um, come to bring the word to you this morning. And um, this word, well, first of all, anytime I ask God to give me a word to stand before his people, I don't ask a miss. I ask him for always send me a word that's either uh, relevant to the hour that we're in or something that's relevant to the people's lives. So the title of my message today is Your Space to Repent. Your Space to Repent is the title of my message today. If y'all willing, go, go with me before the Most High in prayer. The Holy Abba, we just come before thee as humble as we know how. God, thank you for this hour, God. Father God, thank you for raising us up for a time as this, Father God. Father God, thank you for being and allowing us to come together. We pray that your blessed Holy Spirit rest and rule in the midst of us, Father God. God, we pray over this word, God, that it may come forth with great power and great demonstration, God, that it will challenge the hearts and the minds of your people, God, that we may leave this place changed from the way that we came. Father God, remove Vern Adams out of the way, God. Remove my flesh, but God, allow your blessed Holy Spirit to rest, rule, and abide in me as I bring forth this word. Get, let it come with clarity and understanding. We give you glory and thanks for us in Yahshua's name that we do pray. Amen. All right. The title of our message today is Your Space to Repent. And we're going to be going a couple places today. So if you came here looking for a short Mickey Mouse sermon to tickle your old flesh, you came to the wrong place this morning. But if you came here to get a word that's going to challenge you to make you a better man and woman in, in God, then you're in the right place. All right? So our first script that we're going to be coming from today is um, Ephesians 6, verse 9. Because when you start looking at your space to repent, you're dealing with a time or a disposition where God had allowed man an opportunity to get themselves straight. He had allowed us in this church opportunity and time to get ourselves straight. Okay? Because I understand something. Because there's a problem that's going on in these churches. Real big problem. And as I look around the audience in this place, a lot of us have came from other ministries and other places where we had left. And the reason why we left, that's what we're going to try to find a root cause. You always deal with a problem at the root. Because if you get the counts out at its root, then you can prevent it from spreading to other places. Y'all with me on that? And when you start looking at this thing, I realized, as the Bible said, and our first scripture we're going to go to is Ephesians 6 and 12. Ephesians 6 and 12. Ephesians 6 and 12. When you have it, say amen. And it reads, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So anytime you get to the root cause of why we, cause the church is supposed to be a, a, a spiritual facility where the wounded come in to get healed, where the sick and the broken come in to get restoration. You understand? It's not a place where people come to get beat up or leave worse than they were when they came. And we're going to break down this from a spiritual standpoint. Okay? So when we're dealing with this, we realize that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not warring against our brothers and sisters. They're not the problem. The problem is that of a spiritual issue. And we're going to um, dissect this thing right quick. Switch, switch me to Revelations chapter 2, verse 19. Revelations chapter 2, verse 19, where we're going to begin. Y'all just bear with me this morning. Now, when we get into uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 19, this is uh, Jesus Christ speaking. So if you got one of those red letters Bibles, then this red letter means that the Messiah is speaking, okay? And the Word of God said in the book of Revelation that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the gift for prophecy. So this is prophetic what's being spoken here by our king, okay? And he's speaking to the church of Thyatira. Thyatira. All right? And start at 2 and 19, and it reads, I know thy works and thy charity and thy service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Your works to be more than the first. Okay? Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. It comes to chastisement. Because thou suffers that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornications and cause them to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Let us stop right there. 
So is this Jesus Christ speaking to the church? You got all type of theologians that use this message to um, teach about the church, the different church ages. But I want to go even farther than that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to give you a, a milk message. I want to go deeper than that. I want to give you some meat. Because when I read this right here, I'm not looking at no church ages, no dispensation of time. You can use that. But today I want to deal with the church. You understand? Because when I read him and he's talking to the church, guess who he's talking to? He's talking to us. Because we's God's church. We're the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. You understand that? So this is a spiritual word for a spiritual mind of people. You understand that? This ain't talking about no physical building. None of that stuff. That's man's doctrine. All right? God is constantly, constantly, constantly trying to get us to change and get into our higher self. That's what we talk going into the divine, going into the divine mind, becoming one with Christ. It's a consciousness that we got to take on. We got to have our mind transferred and renewed. You understand? So let's deal with this. Let's look at this from a standpoint. So when we're talking about a church here, Diatara, we're talking about an individual. So this word, make it individual this morning. You know what I'm saying? Search your heart this morning as this message comes forth. Oh, are y'all good? So we're talking to the church of Diatara. Diatara, uh, spiritually means a burning, a incense, or a having a zeal, a zeal of God. So in this church, there was, there, there was some in this church, and again, make this personal. Look at yourself. Don't look at um, others, but make it personal. There's um, people that's in the church or the body of Christ that actually has a zeal for God. All right? But the Bible here, the rebuke, rebuke comes because even though they have a zeal for God, even though they have faith, even though they have patience, even though they're having good works going on, they're still suffering this woman called Jezebel. You understand? And this Jezebel, I've been studying this thing for a long time. This Jezebel, a lot of people tend to cringe when you hear the word Jezebel, especially in the church. Because the first thing you assume, well, Jezebel, well, they're talking about the woman. You'll see women cringe, thinking they're talking about a woman. But let me tell you something. This is a, in the New Testament, Jezebel is a principality, a spirit. You understand? And in order for a principality or a spirit, to be able to move and operate, it got to have a body or a host in which to operate through. Y'all with me on that? All right. So, here it is, Jezebel. Now, I'm going to take you back to where we first heard about Jezebel in the Old Testament, where she was a living, breathing human. But then on this side of the glory of the New Testament, that same Jezebel, who died in the Old Testament, now here it is in Revelation, which is a book of prophecy, she's a principality. A spirit. So now I know that this word is dealing with us on a spiritual level. Okay? Alright? So, diatara means zeal. Alright? And they say you suffered, uh, the prophetess died, Jezebel, which caused herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce the servants. But I want to deal with this thing about having them commit fornication. We're going to get into that. Y'all ready to go on a little journey with me? All right, good. Let, 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 let's continue. So first thing we want to talk about and identify what is causing these issues in the church, globally, as in the body of Christ, but also inside of us. All right, so the first thing we need to identify, we need to call out to the forefront, who is this Jezebel? So walk with me. Let's go to First Kings. First Kings, chapter 16, verse 31. Give you a minute to get there. When you have it, say amen. And it reads, and it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of um, Naboth, that he took to wife. We're talking about King Ahab. King Ahab was one of the kings that was placed over the children of Israel. All right, Israel's a representation of the Old Testament of the born again believer. Represent a prince of the power. What is that power? That power is the Christos, the Christ. When we become partakers in Christ, we become princes of the power. We become Israel, okay, in spirit. All right, so here's King Ahab. And it came to pass, if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabal, that he took to wife Jezebel. I mean, he married her. The daughter of Ethbaal, the king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. 
So let me give you a breakdown of what's going on in here real quickly. Let's continue. 16 to 32. And he weird, talking about King Ahab, he reared up an altar for Baal. We know Baal is an ancient deity that was worshipped. And because Israel was born into that society where they worshipped Baal, they began to um, call the name of the Most High and worship him as Baal. But not understanding, ignorantly, they was committing spiritual fornication because they were worshipping a false god. Okay? So they reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that was before him. All right, so let's stop right here. Let's give you a breakdown of these names from a spiritual standpoint so we can get a greater understanding. So first you got the word, the woman Jezebel, okay? Jezebel was a woman. She was a um, daughter of King um, Ethbaal. But Jezebel's name spiritually means is she represents the animal mind in us. Because when we're born, anybody that's devoid of the spirit of God walks around as a brute beast, according to scripts. All right? You have a mind of a brute beast. So Jezebel represents the animal mind in us, that mind that lusts, that fleshly and carnal desires that we chased after. All right? It's, it's, it's sensual. It's all about pleasing itself through its senses. Okay? Um, Jezebel also means a person that is unproductive, without husband. That's why she's an adulteress or a mistress. She's without husband. means she has no rule, no control over herself. Okay? And also called an adulterous prophet, spiritually. So this Jezebel, this animal, this fleshly, carnal, lust, and desires that's in man, it links itself up with King, King Ahab. Ahab represents the intellectual consciousness or the right consciousness of man, the right and pure thoughts of man inside. And it represents the will of man being led. Okay? So you can be led into two ways. You can be led into righteousness. You can be led into the sins of the flesh. Okay? But as Ahab continued to um, progress, his heart and heart became more and more covetous. I mean, he started coveting other things and desiring other things that wasn't meant for him to have. You're a king over Israel, but you begin to covet other things like um, Noabob's, uh, Naboth, uh, Vineyard. And we're going to get in that in, in a minute. But let me show you who uh, Jezebel is tied to, because this is very important. She's a daughter of Ethbaal. Ethbaal in Hebrew means a master, a owner, or a possessor. It represents the um, materialistic mentality that we find in man. You understand? So Jezebel is an offshoot of that material or possessive mindset that we have where we crave the things of the world more than the things of God. Are y'all with me? All right. So from Baal or Baal worship, you got what we got in this modern society over here in Western, Westernized Christianity. You understand? They have a form of godliness, but they lack the power thereof. There ain't no signs and wonders in these churches. Why? Because... Most of these places are, are, are called Baal churches. They have that Baal mindset. From that Baal church and that Baal mindset, that's where you get this prosperity doctrine at. This name it, claim it. You know, you're not blessed by God unless you're driving the, the pimp dot ride or you got the big house and you got the nice bank accounts and you're not blessed by God. Your blessing of God is predicated on your material possessions. You understand? These Baal churches, what do they do on Sunday? They come there, they always remember, they operate in sensuality. You understand? They always trying to prove and probe you through your senses. You understand? They'll teach you an emotional um, word or an emotional doctrine to keep you caught up in your emotion. Because why? An emotional person lay down their guards and an emotional person be more apt to give. Emotional person be more apt to follow. You know what I'm saying? No matter what the leadership is. You understand? So that's why it's all set up. It's all set up like that in these bail churches. So what do these pastors in these bell churches do? You know, they seek to build a kingdom to themselves. You'll notice when you start dealing with people in that bell um, system because it's all about numbers. It's all about people. It's all about gathering folks to themselves. And then before you know it, these same pastors, you know, have you wearing their faces on their on, on T-shirts. You know what I'm saying? These same pastors have you. And what, what happens in these churches, the people... Because they love God and they trust a man of God, they'll put that man of God in the wrong place. They'll start worshiping the creation instead of the creator. 
They'll start putting that pastor on a pedestal and have that pastor in the way of God instead of having God for themselves. Because the thing is, we're no longer under the Aaron, um, the Aaron, the order of Aaron, the Aaron priesthood. You understand? Christ did away with that. The priesthood we under is under Melchizedek. Well, we've been called to be kings and priests. You understand that? You no longer got to have a man to stand before you to go before the throne of grace. God has given you the authority and the power to go and reach into the heavens through yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's a self thing. Your body has now become the, the um, a living sacrifice. God don't want them um, bloods of bulls and rams no more. He wants you. You to come before him. But these priests ignorantly sets themselves up to be demigods in front of people. And everything that they do, we talk about the Antichrist system. There's many Antichrist churches around here. And unless you study, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you, how are they able to get these control over people? You want to know why? Because we didn't do what the Messiah told us to do. He said, study, show thyself approved. So many times on Sundays, we don't even get a word from God until we get into a church house. We don't even go before God in prayer during the week until we get in the church house. You sitting up here depending on a man to give you a word that's going to bring forth your deliverance or your salvation in your everyday walk. But guess what? It's personal. This man cannot do no more. You're going to have to answer to God for your sins yourself. I don't think we're designed to do the ones that's led and truly called to God. We're, we're to teach the people. We're to watch over the sheep. We're to be watching them. We're to sign the alarm. You understand? But if the only word you're getting is what you get on Sunday morning, let me tell you something. <laughs> life is short. Life is but a vapor. The one thing in our life that's worth more than a dollar that was sent from God, and when it's gone, you can never get us back, and that's time. You understand that? And when your time is up, that's it. Your book is written. And I'm going to tell you something. Where I spend eternity, whether it's in the dwellings of my most high king or it's in the lake of fire, is too much for me to put all my trust into man. Depend on this man to keep me upright. I got to get this thing right for myself. You understand it? Your salvation's on the line. And some of us don't know when our, our number's going to be called. And you can't play this thing called church. The day's up for that. Alright, so now, you got Jezebel representing the carnal, the fleshly desires, and the connect itself to the righteous mindset of God. Alright? So they became married together. Okay? So when you're dealing with Jezebel, we understand that it's a spirit. And we're going to go into Jezebel. I'm going to point out some of her ways. I'm going to have some identification of this, this demon today. So when they commit, it said that they commit fornication. Alright, so let's break down this fornication. Fornication, another word for fornication is sex. We all know that, right? We all know that. We know what sex is. S-E-S, right? But let me tell you what that sex stands for. It's an acronym. Spiritual exchange. When you operate in sex or fornication, you operate in what's called spiritual exchange. That's why every time you see two people get together and they link up and they fornicate outside of the will of God, because marriage was purposed by God for this very reason, when you operate in that, there's a transference of spiritual energy. Between that woman and that man when they operate in that. You understand? And the stronger of the two is going to attract. If the stronger, if the strength is in that woman, then that woman's going to attract that man. And that, and that man going to take on that mindset or characteristics of that female. If that male is the dominant force, then that, that female going to take on that, those aspects and attributes of that male. Y'all understand that? Okay, good. Let us continue. So we're still dealing with Jezebel. All right, and when you got Jezebel's system, any of these churches that's operating outside the spirit of God that had that form of godliness, no righteous, but denies the power thereof, and they operating in these bell churches or bell worship, that's a couple of things that goes on in there. They worship images. They worship images. They operate on sensuality, means they care more about pleasing the senses. This is where your emotional um, teachings get in at. They would pay regards to an image instead of the power, which is the spirit form. Knowing that God is a spirit, and he that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, a lot of churches got that spiritual part down. They know how to act. You be around Christians long enough, you'll catch on their lingo, they, how they carry themselves. And it's easy to put on masks 
in front and perpetrate like you like you righteous. But God ain't looking for no pretenders. The word hypocrite means that you're a pretender, means that you're an actor in this, this game called life. God's not looking for that. All right. So what they did was they worshiped images. They changed the image of our power to look like what the world system represents. So what they end up doing, they end up breaking one of the Ten, um, ten Commandments, which is the third commandment. Let's go there right quick. Because I got to touch on this. Let's go to Exodus 20 and verse 4. This is the third commandment God told us. When you have it, say amen. And it said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. Or that that's in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. So we know that God don't operate in images. And he put it as one of the big tens not to make an image. So when you go to these bare houses, whose pictures, whose um, likeness or appearance you see erected in all these churches? Huh? A white Jesus. <laughs> but right here in the Bible... Whether he was white, black, Asian, it don't matter what persuasion. The Bible said, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above. So if Christ the Messiah, whose idea was it to make up this graven image? And then every Sunday in these bell houses, we sit down here and we worship this image. Huh? I read in Revelation where it talked about the image of the beast. And then guess what also it said? See, we get twisted. We get caught up in man's doctrine. We're talking about taking a chip and all this stuff in the last day. No, Satan is all about worship. He said you're going to bow down and worship the image of the beast. You understand? So if this image supposed to be propped up to represent a set thing, and that set thing goes against the word of God, then what is it? If it's not Christ, then it's what? Antichrist. You know what I'm saying? And this might offend some people because you're being caught up in theology. You're being caught up in man's doctrine. You didn't take time to read this word for yourself. But guess what? It is what it is. The Bible said cry aloud and spare not. You understand? There's some people God has raised up in this earth then to open up their they mind of understanding to realize a lot of the first knowledge we and understanding we received was false. So now he's blowing his spirit back into us. His spirit is what? Spirit of truth. Truth, light, light always going to overshadow darkness. You understand? And it's our job to, to rule that darkness out of us and bring that light into us. Let us keep going. So in the Jezebel, in any of these bell churches, the main dominant demon or spirit that operates in it, and this, 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 this only just represents church. You understand? Jezebel is a principality. Jezebel is the, is the root spirit that's destroying families. It's the root cause of that destroying marriages. It's the root cause of that destroy corporation and business and partnerships. It's the root cause that brings forth division amongst people. Why? Because unless two agree, they can't walk together, right? So this is what Jezebel do. So in these bail relationships or bail churches, Jezebel is a strong demonic spirit closely related to witchcraft and its emphasis is control. Jezebel has become a, ter- a territorial principality that seeks to destroy churches, marriages, and families. Jezebel's spirit displays a great pride of self-righteousness in people, especially in church leaders. It possesses. It targets leaders, whether it's a father of a home, mother of a home, whether it's a CEO of a company. Um, it don't matter. Anytime you're dealing with a place where you got different positions or hierarchical order, it always seeks to come in. And one of the open doors that allows Jezebel's spirit into our hearts or into our organization, or into our homes and families, is the spirit of pride. The spirit of pride. That's the door that opens up. So it targets leaders in churches, homes, businesses, and its job is to render that church, that family, or that corporation useless in the mission of God. So again, so when you think about Jezebel's spirit, it's a demon. It's a principality. All right? It's not a feminine thing. It's not just as I... Jezebel operates in women. No, this spirit, this deity is stronger when it's inside of a male than it is in a woman. Y'all understand that? 
So it's not gender related. All right. So let's look at some of these goals of Jezebel. Once you get erected in your churches, this demon, what is the goal? What is his mission from being there? Number one is, is to carry out Satan's agenda. To leave the church powerless. To have a form of godliness. No power thereof. No signs and wonders are following you and what you're doing for God. Another thing or goal of Jezebel in the church. They want to weed out the wheat. He want to destroy the wheat from growing and getting stronger. So what it does, Jezebel raises up tares in the church. Or in the body or in the family. And his whole purpose and design is to choke out the wheat. So let me tell you the difference between the wheat and the tail. You can plant tares all day long. They're going to grow up. They're going to um, die. They're going to choke themselves out. But let me tell you what's different with wheat. Wheat have seed in it. I can take the, the seed of a wheat out of one field, go plant it in fertile ground, and it'll bring up another harvest. You understand? And sometimes in these harlot houses we call bell churches, you know, you got wheat there and you got tear. But wheat is designed to be productive. And wheat can always be uprooted and planted in another field, and that wheat still going to produce a harvest if it's suited in, um, in righteousness and if it's following the word of God. You can't change that. All right? Also, what you hear about in these harlot houses or, these, or the goal of Jezebel in these harlot houses is that they love to use salvation as a grace excuse to commit sin. Why? Because when, when, they got, when the people, now again, search out your own heart. Make this, this, this message personal. Because when some get saved and delivered, there was no true repentance. They might have heard a sermon about the lake of fire. And they used grace and salvation as a life insurance policy. Or a fire insurance policy. They don't want to go in that lake of fire. So they're like, let me get saved. So God will have mercy on my soul. And I won't go to hell. That's their mindset. But there wasn't no true repentance. True repentance is a changing of the mind. You understand? It's taking a bow face. I've been walking left and seeing all my life. And all of a sudden, something touched me. And I did an about face. Now I'm walking this way. And I got grace leading me. And I got the word of God keeping me. That's what it means to be born again. But let's look at another goal of Jezebel. Let's go to um, 1 Kings. 1 Kings, chapter 18. 1 Kings, chapter 18, excuse me. And we're going to go to verse 4. We're still dealing with the spirit of Jezebel and how it's operating amongst the people of God. In the house of God or in the churches of God. All right? Now have a say amen. And it reads, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took 100 prophets and hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So another job of Jezebel, another goal of hers in the church, well, this demon is to destroy the saints of God and stop the work of the king. It's to move people out of their out of they, out of they divine place. You understand? God has a work for each and every one of us in our lives. And God has a place designed and set for each one of us to operate in. But when you get when you in and operating and you're under a Jezebel spirit, that Jezebel spirit is going to do everything it can to get you uprooted and moved out of place. Why? It don't want you to grow. It don't want you to span God's kingdom. It don't want you to tap into the purpose and the will of God for your life. It want to leave you stagnant and dormant. It want to leave you like this graveyard that's surrounding our church. Some of the greatest treasures. The Bible says we have treasures hidden in earthly vessels. Some of the greatest people that ever walked this planet died never tapping into the true treasures and riches that God had already placed inside each and every one of them. So they living was in vain if you never reached the, the higher call of God in your life. So that Jezebel spirit wanted to cut you off. That's why she went against the prophets in the Old Testament. She was slaughtering them and killing them. And Obadiah had to go hide. It said right here, 100 of them. And then he fed them bread and water. He had to feed them the word. You understand? After he hit them, all right? So she wanted to destroy the saints of God, the ones who truly been called and chosen to, um, to be effective in the kingdom of God. And let's see what also her goal is. Let's go to um, another script. Still dealing with this adulterous woman in the physical that's why I went to the Old Testament to deal with her in the physical but also we know we're talking from a spiritual standpoint let's go to 1st King 
chapter 19, verse 2. We'll start there. So not only do she want to destroy your place and who you are in God, but also she want to destroy your call in God, your prophetic voice in the house of God, your Elijah, which represents a man when they're operating in the fullness of God. Elijah represents the spiritual I am. If you go back and you search God in the Bible closely, when um, God called Moses, Moses in uh, Exodus 3 and 14, he asked God, um, who should I say sent me unto the children of Israel? God said, tell them that I am that I am sent me. All right? I am that I am sent me. So that's what Elijah represents. It represents the highest thoughts, the divine mind in man, just like um, a forerunner for the Christ. All right? But this Jezebel, what her job is, she wanted to destroy that. So look at what she do. So Jezebel sent a messenger, Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now here it is, the prophet of God and did this um, supernatural feat where he was able to call down fire from heaven in front of uh, witnesses. And then that fire devoured um, his sacrifice. And then because he proved that those burial prophets was false, after he got done showing this great sign and wonder, um, he then had them slaughtered. So after he did this great feat and he demonstrated the power of God, remember signs of wonder should follow them. Then next thing you know, this Jezebel then sent out this message saying that she was going to kill Elijah. So Elijah went from showing the, the, the glory and the power of God to now he became a weakened vessel because he let the words of this, 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 this demon give him fear. Now that word fear it's an acronym. All right? It's our acronym. The word fear. And a lot of times we do things in our life, we operate from a fear standpoint. That's what keeps us from going further in God. That's what keeps us from advancing to who we are. That's what keeps us from reaching higher than trying to attain the greater self, or who calling or who we're supposed to be. And fear is nothing more than um, fear. Just made My mind just went blank. False evidence appearing real. That's what fear is. False evidence appearing real. Elijah didn't lose his calling. He didn't lose his anointing in God. He didn't lose his stand in God. But because this Jezebel's spirit came against him, a son out of death message to him, he allowed fear, her false evidence appearing real, to cause him to do what? And when he saw that, he arose. This is, nah, excuse me, First Kings 19 and 3. He saw that he arose and he went for his life, ran for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. <laughs> this word from this woman and put this prophet on a run. And came and sat under a juniper um, tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father." So how in the world, one minute you standing up in the power and the glory of God, and then all of a sudden you allow what's said about you to put fear in your heart to now you don't want to hid yourself under a tree, away in the wilderness, away from everybody, and you sitting up there begging God to go ahead and take your life. You ready to quit your mission. You ready to quit your calling. You ready to quit and walk away from the anointing that God already placed over your life to achieve the things that he have called you to do. All because of fear. False evidence appearing real. So this Jezebel, all right, in the Old Testament, she was a woman. Uh, <clears throat> she operated on a natural or physical plane, but then she was killed. And then over here in the New Testament, even though her body physically left the earth, that spirit or demon that was operating in her remained. And that's why when you read in Revelations, she have become a spiritual predator. Okay? So how do we identify the spirit of Jezebel? I got a whole list of things that we're going to go through. And again, it's a personal message. Your job as the hearers of this word is to apply it to your life. And if you find fault in it, this is your opportunity to get it straight. 
So when you get to identifying a Jezebel, what's the first thing or a sign of a Jezebel spirit working through a person? The first big sign is pride. Very prideful, self-righteous spirit. You can't tell them anything. They know all the answers. You know what I'm saying? So pride is the gateway for Jezebel to enter into the leader. All right? So when you look at some of these leaders, it no longer do they take on a mindset of, well, this is God's house or this is God's people. No, those people become my people. That church becomes my church. They become possessive, like we talked about in the Old Testament. They become territorial. Why? Because that bell spirit up in them. All it cares about is possessing people, rule. All right? They're very selfish. Everything they do, everything they try to achieve is for their own personal satisfaction. They have their own personal agenda. It's always to push and promote themselves. And another thing about the pride of a um, Jezebel spirit in a person is they become superly spiritual. They try to spiritualize everything. Everything. Why do they do that? They try to spiritualize everything, number one, to make, make themselves look like they're following the most high. You know what I'm saying? To make themselves look spiritual. But actually, what they spiritualize to do is to prevent from taking ownership of their own sins and their actions. So the reason why they spiritualize everything is because they want to use the Bible to try to justify what they do. They want to use the Bible to try to justify how they treat others. They want to use the Bible to try to justify the sins that they're committing that they think nobody's seeing. You know what I'm saying? So they spiritualize everything. Another thing about a prideful, the, the pride that works in the Jezebel spirit that, that's operating in an individual, is they become very, they're never sincere. Never sincere. They can always point out somebody else's faults and shortcomings, but they never want to deal with their own self-issues. And what they do, they deflect. These are deflectors. They know their problems. They know they got problems. They know they busted and disgusted, but they'll wear a mask and they'll deflect all their issues. And when they do get caught doing wrong, they never sincerely apologize. They always got this one word that they add in their, in, 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 in their apologies. Yeah, I'm sorry for what I did, but they always got a big butt in what they say. <laughs> always got a big butt in what they say. Another thing about a Jezebel spirit that's operating in that pride. They're very competitive. Now, I'm a competitive person. I play football. I coach football. And I'm very competitive. But I'm not competitive when it comes to the things of God. There's a separation of things like that. You understand? I don't believe that I'm all-knowing and omnipotent. No, the most high is that. I don't believe that I know everything. That my doctrine is God's doctrine. You understand? But when you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit in a person, they think they know everything. They think their word is the word of God. And they're always trying to be competitive. They will actually put you down and say what you're doing is, is contrary because it don't go along with their own beliefs, their own understanding. But you got to understand something. God has not raised us all the same. That's why when you look in the Bible, there's a five-fold ministry. Why? Because God uses different peoples and different strengths, bring them together for the edification of a body, of edification of a church. You understand? That way everybody has a part to play. You know what I'm saying? He don't give all the information to one person. But when they vaunt, when they come together and they put their strengths together to operate for the glory and the kingdom of God, that's when they become a powerful force. That's when they begin to put demons of flight. That's when you begin to see signs and wonders happening to a local assembly because all the parts to that body is connected together. And until you get to that point, you just, you just meet. You just ecclesia. You just, you just gathering together. You just congregating. That's all you're doing. All right. Another thing about the Jezebel spirit under the pride is that it is possessive and not progressive. It hates growth. You get into some of these, um, smaller ministries, a lot of churches, they don't want to get bigger. They want to stay the same. Why? The, the fewer the people are, the more power and authority and influence you will have in that body. But when you begin to grow and numbers begin to come in, you, people feel that's operating in the Jezebel spirit. They're intimidated because they feel their authority and their control is lessening amongst the people. They're losing their stronghold over people. All right, the next thing when you're dealing with how to identify a Jezebel in a person. A Jezebel spirit is controlling and very manipulative. Very manipulative and controlling. So what I mean by that? Number one, 
A Jezebel spirit has a problem with submission. It don't want to submit to authority. That's the main reason why we got so many churches in, in our little local societies or our local communities. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches. Why? Did God call that many people to establish these places? Or, or, or who's owning it had a spirit where they didn't understand and know how to submit to authority. They didn't want to come underneath nobody. So what they do, they branch out and they start their own thing. Because it's always about, it's my way. All right? Another thing about a Jezebel spirit under control and manipulation is that they're very religious. Very religious. Very judgmental of others. Try to change you. Try to make you fit a mold that they want for you. Not understanding God called you for who you are. Why did God call you as you are? Because God already knew what he placed inside of you. Every seed has all the potential to grow into a tree that has been called to, to be. You don't need to add nothing to it. All you need to do is live. Because in order for a seed to grow, it has to go in the ground. It has to die. But on top of that, you have to throw dirt on it. That dirt that you throw on the tree, on, on seeds, all your trials and tribulations that God places you through in different stages that you may grow up to be a mature Christian in your walk. That's the reason why he placed that seed inside of you. It's not to get underneath somebody's umbrella and then all of a sudden they try to conform you to be what they think you ought to be. So that's why very religious, very judgmental of others. And again, a, a church or a local assembly is supposed to be a hospital. Meaning everybody that comes in that church door, they are broken, they are wounded, they got some type of issues. There's no Jesus Christ is walking in our doors. That's already a, a representation of the perfection of God and man. Nobody, even the ones that stand behind this pulpit and teaches the word, they're imperfect. They got issues. And they, they fighting the same battles y'all out um, down there fighting. They're trying to get their house cleaned up. They want to be a church without spot and wrinkle just like y'all. All right? So they see the flaws in another, another thing about a Jezebel spirit. They lack compassion. They see another person going through. They see another person down trying what they do. They judge them. They got issues. Everybody got issues. And then you sit there, you turn away your love and your compassion, but guess what's going on happening? Where you at when you fall? Where you at when you stumble? You down here on your knee, you praying, asking God, God have mercy on me. But where was your mercy and your love and your compassion on that brother, that sister, when you knew about the problem and the struggle they had in their life? Huh? Hypocrite? Another way means of control by a Jezebel spirit, especially amongst a body of believers. It creates positions and titles to promote themselves into positions of authorities. And not only that, it only links themselves up with people just like them. Why? They got to surround themselves with their clique. They don't go far from that clique. Why? They don't want, they can't walk alone. They got to have people to like mind with them. So what they do is, I'm going to make sure my soldiers are surrounded by me. You understand? I'm going to promote people just like me. They use fear and intimidation to get their way. One another, and last manipulative that they use, you always see a person that, they, they use gift giving. They use gift giving to manipulate people. What do I mean by that? They want to get people to feeling like you're obligated to them. You owe me something. I did X, Y, Z for you. You know what I'm saying? What you going to do for me in return? You decide they've been a part of a ministry for 10 to 15 years. You gave all that money by that tithe in which they don't even teach you the tithing principle. It was a kingdom principle when God established it. They don't teach you that right. But they use you and um, they make um, merchandise out of you to collect your money. But then you done all that serving. You gave all that giving. But then let yourself fall in the hole. How are they going to respond? Are they going to be there to take care of you? Are they going to give you five or ten different protocols to go through just to even get any type of assistance with what you're going through? That's what we're dealing with in this society, y'all. That's why us that's spiritual, we need to get to the point. Because let's go to Romans right quick. Romans 13 and 8. Romans 13 and 8. And again, I keep saying this is a personal message. You challenge your mind and understanding, you check out your heart. Because, see, they use gift giving to manipulate people into feeling obligated to them. But what does the word of God say about this? Romans 13 and 8. Y'all have it? 
The title that is on us all fulfilling the law through love. And 13 and 8 says, Oh, no man, what? Anything. That means nothing. But to do what? Love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the what? The law of God. Everything is hanging on the background of love. Love is the ultimate vibration. Love is God. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get to God, where's your love at? Another way to identify Jezebel's spirit is in others is when they become vengeful and sows discord. Let me read through my list. I told you I've been studying this for a long time. Put it on the shelf for a long time. Didn't want to teach the word. But one thing I'm learning in my walk with God, especially on this path of evangelizing and preaching, is God gives you an assignment. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't carry out that assignment, he's just going to let you sit there. He's going to let you keep that same word on your mind, on your heart, till you deliver it. You know what I'm saying? And then once you get done with that, then, then he'll begin to fill you back up. So I had to get this one off of me. So that's why I'm bringing it today. So the eventual and so discord. Jezebel's spirit is very, sarta- uh, very sarcastic of others and very opinionated. Excuse me. It intimidate. Oh, my goodness. Another thing, when you see a person operating in this Jezebel spirit, they're very intimidated of others' gifts and callings of God. Remember, they are possessive, not progressive. So when God began to sin and fill people up in the house, they become territorial because Jezebel is a territorial demon. When a person becomes territorial, they enclose, they circle. You know what I'm saying? So what happens is God will send people in these different places that has gifting and true callings and true anointings over their lives. But what happens? People become intimidated by those gifts, those callings and anointings. And what are they going to end up doing? They're going to create ways to get that gifted, that anointed, that Elijah removed off their seat out of their post. You understand? Why? Because I don't want to deal with somebody else that's going to steal my shine. I don't want to steal nobody else. Going to, since I'm, self, I'm seeking self-glory, I'm not going to have nobody around me that's going to steal my glory or my shine. Because, again, once I got that spirit on me, it's not about God no more. It's about me. I become self, selfish. I become self-willed. All right? And then when you try to go against them or you don't agree with everything they say, they become warlike. They want to challenge you. These be the ones that go behind closed doors and wish damnation on you. Which fire call fire down from heaven on you. Want to destroy your works and who you are. And the first thing, just like Satan, the first thing they're going to try to do is destroy your reputation. Discredit you amongst people. And the reason why they're going to discredit you because once you're discredited, then you have no authority. People don't want to listen to you. People are not going to follow you. You understand that? Destroy your mess. Um, and this spirit always manifests itself in marriages and work relationships. Still talking about the spirit of Jezebel and how to identify it. Y'all still with me? All right, good. So let's get what God got to say about Jezebel even more. Let's deal with what God's Jezebel, uh, judgment is for this Jezebel spirit. And again, this Jezebel and Revelation, let's go with me right quick to Revelations 2. Once, once Jezebel has set up root amongst an organization or a body or even a family or a marriage and his roots have been laid, then you got a problem to deal with. And let's see what God has to say about it. Revelations 2. We stopped on verse 20. Let's go to 21. And it reads, let me start at 20 just to refresh this. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants and to commit fornication. And we're going to go over these fornications here in a minute. And to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat the things sacrificed to idol. Revelation 2 and 21. And I gave her. Space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Verse 22, Behold, 
I will cast her into a bed and them that committed adultery with her. That's why I say you got to make this thing personal and you got to search out your own heart. All right. Into great tribulation, except they do what? Repent of their deeds. And I will kill her with death. And all the churches, who do I say the churches are? Who the churches represent? We are the church. Shall know that I am he which searches the reins of the heart. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. So this thing dealing with Jezebel is a spiritual thing. God has given her a space to repent. God has given you. If you operated in any of this or you allowed that spirit to overtake you, he had given you a space to repent. And after that space of time for repenting is up, then destruction is going to follow. And destruction takes on many different roads. It depends on what level you are in your faith. It depends on what you're doing. Destruction don't always mean unto death. Destruction could be just calamities that overtake and tribulations that overtake your life. So what we have to do, we have to flee Babylon. Be not partakers of her sins, including in these bell churches. All right? So when he talks about her fornication, okay? When he talks about her fornication, remember, fornication is when you, there's a mixture of spiritual with the flesh. You understand? And where the car now overtakes the, the things of the spirit in you. Okay? So when she said um, committed fornication, let's go to this. I want to bring out what this fornication is. Because it talks about it. I'm making get bring another script that's going to make this point a little more meaning, meaningful. Go to Revelation 8, verse 2. Excuse me, Revelation 18, verse 2. See, not only do we have to come out of or allow Jezebel, that spirit, to, to stop working within us, any of us that fall victim to it, but we also got to be able to free our mindset and our well-being from being even a partaker in it. All right? In Revelation 18, it talks about Babylon. And the reason why we can't see Babylon for what it is is because we live inside of Babylon. We're not on the outside looking in. We're on the inside looking out. And see, when you're on the inside looking out, sometimes you can't see your dirt. Sometimes you go along with the mess on the society that's, that you are part of, not understanding that that society that you are part of represents something totally different. Okay? And 18 verse 2, read. Oh, y'all have it? Okay. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, talking about the angel. Babylon the great is fallen. Is fallen and has become a habitation of devils and a hole of every foul spirit. Talking about a spiritual thing. And a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Verse 3. For all nations. All nations. The word nations in Greek and in Hebrew can mean races as well. Have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And who the kings of the earth? Still talking about us, because why? Christ called us to be under Melchizedek. We're, no, we're, we're the kings and the priests. So we're the ones that this word referring to that took in fornications with um, this world system. You understand? And um, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundancy of her delicacies. So what am I talking about? See, you, you commit spiritual fornication, and we don't even know it because of the society that we live in, the things that we we face every day. All right? So let me give you some of these gods that's in our lives that we commit spiritual fornication with. Don't even know it. Number one, your money. Money has a God called mammon attached to it. And it's the lust, and, and it's the love of money or the lust thereof of money that's the root of all evil. And you're seeing that every day. When you turn on the news, you watch the media, open the newspaper up. Money is ruling and leading people into doing Things contrary to the will of God. So your money can't save you. Right, there's another God that's operating in our society. It's the entertainment God. We, we sit here and we bow down to the entertainment God all the time. We commit fornication with the uh, entertainment God. We spend more time focusing on um, social media, uh, television, movies, than we do spending time with God. You know, there's a place for everything, but at the same time, you got to understand God has called us to do more and be more than just that. 
Another God that's operating in our society that's strong. Science and technology. Science and technology can't save you. Science and technology won't save you. But it's a God that we, 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 we sit here and we use, we made science become a God in our lives. Technology has become a God in our life. Your armies and your military has become gods in some people's life. In the book of Daniel, it said that this last king that was going to rule, that he was going to worship a God that his fathers didn't know, the God of forces. So when you look at your military might and your armies, like our nation, that we invest more time and money in, into that than we do into um, healing people, into um, keeping people from being homeless. All right? But your armies and your militaries won't save you. Last God that we sit here and we, 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 we focus on is a religion, the doctrine of men. They won't save you. Religion and the doctrine of men won't save you. Okay? So when you're looking at Jezebel, you got to be able to, what you got to do, you got to destroy Jezebel from within. Because God said, and my message of my word is, you have your space to repent. So let me show you what's going to happen to you if you don't get this thing right. Let me show you what's going to happen to you if you don't get this thing right. And I'm close to closing out my message. Just bear with me for a few more minutes. Let me finish my assignment. You got to destroy this Jezebel spirit from within. And this is message for each and every one of us. The reason why I guess this message was so hard because I read some of these things about Jezebel, how to identify with it, what it represents, what its purpose is. I had to do soul checking on myself. You understand? And a true word of God, when it comes from above, it's going to challenge the messenger before the messenger ever delivered the word to the people. It should bring forth a change in the messenger's life before the message is ever given to the people. Go with me to Romans. Chapter 1. Verse 21. Because <clears throat> see, we don't get this thing right with God, and God's going to take his hands off of us. And he's going to turn us over to what we call a reprobate mind. And what you're going to find as I read this, I want you to think about some of the places you've been, some of the places you've been ran from, from a church standpoint, because church hurt is one of the worst church to, uh, hurts to experience. You expect the world to beat you up. You expect the world to kick you in the behind. You expect the world to beat you down and tell you to stand up after they've done it. But you don't expect that amongst the people of God. The professing saints, you don't expect that. So if we don't get ourselves cleaned up inside, God said he's going to turn us over to a reprobate mind. I want you to read what a reprobate mind is as I go over this. And I want you to think about these bell churches and see if you see a uh, connect between both. And 1 and 21 reads, And because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and foolish and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what did they do? They began to professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. Talking about a reprobate mind. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. Remember we talked about that image? Remember we talked about that um, where they twisted the commandments and they, made, they gave an image unto a power? They changed the image of a power to make it look like a certain man. Alright? Just a reprobate mind. They changed the... Uh, <clears throat> Change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made unlike the two corruptible man and to birds mm-hmm, and to four foot beasts and to creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through their lust of their hearts. Ain't no spirit dwelling in them. Their conscience been seared to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who change doctrine of men. They change the word, the truth of God into a lie. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator. That's when they begin to put these pastors and these different ones on a pedestal. They can't see God for man. Because man's in a way. Who is blessed forever. For this cause God gave them up to what? Vile affections. For even their own women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise. Here come these effeminates, these homosexual spirits, these effeminate spirits. That's what you're seeing in these bell houses. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, they burn in their lust one towards another. Men with men, 
working that which is unseemly, and receiving in himself that recompense of error, which was meat. All right? Y'all still with me? Okay, good. 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, meaning they ain't seeking God. They ain't studying to show themselves approved. Only time they get a word from God is when they come into a church. God is, don't mean, mean nothing to them. Yep. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. Being filled with unrighteous, all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetedness, maliciousness, full of envy. Can't stand to see somebody else make it or somebody else have more than them. They take on a murderous spirit. They love to debate. They love to debate the word of God. They love to try to prove whether they know more than what you know. They're deceitful. Malignity. Whisperers. Backbiters. Hater of God. Spiteful. Proud. Boasters. Excuse me. Inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents. Without understanding. Covenant breakers. (laughs) Without natural affection. Implacable. Unmerciful. Alright? These is what these people with reprobate minds end up becoming. Mm-hmm. And in my journey, I've seen both ways. Last thing I want to do is how do we get rid of this spirit? And I'm closing. Last script. Go with me to Ephesians 4, um, chapter 4. And again, it's a personal message. For a spiritual minded individuals that want to be right with God. Everybody step in the church door on Sunday, don't care about God, don't care about walk with God. They got their own personal reasons for being. We understand that. That's why God said on the remnant gonna make it. And when you go back and see what this word remnant means, the children of Israel went into Egypt, the first captivity, a family of seventy. They left Egypt a great and mighty nation. But out of that great and mighty nation that came out and had to wander through the wilderness. Only two made it out of that generation into the kingdom. Or that at that particular time, the promise. Only two. So do you understand what God numbers are? You take a million people, but out of that million of people that came out, only two go into the um, promised land? Now you look at the billions of souls in this earth. How many going to make promise? God said only a remnant. So that multiplication on that level, only two came out. Imagine how many only going to come out of billions of souls. But you want to come in here and play church on Sundays. You want to come over here and have your own personal agendas. You want to come over here uh, self-seeking glory for yourself. And then God giving you all this time. He giving you all this word. He giving you all this opportunity to get your life right. Because you don't know when your curtain call is going to come. Y'all understand that? So what do we need to do to rid ourselves personally? Of the spirit. Let's go to Ephesians 4 and 17. Ephesians 4 and 17. When you have it, say amen. And it reads, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles. Gentiles meaning people that's unsaved. Walk in the vanity of their what? When the Bible talk about your heart, it's talking about your mind. Talking about your consciousness. Your consciousness got to be changed. You understand that? That's getting into the divine mind. That's going into the higher place of God. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who? Excuse me one second. All right, 19. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lavishness. To the work of uncleanliness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. Meaning you're doing all these things. You're walking about. You're serving. You're doing many things. But have you ever tapped into the the mind of Christ? That's the goal. That's the goal. To have the fullness and the mind of God, which is represented in Christ Jesus, operating in us. You understand? Because let's skip down to 30. You have not been learned into Christ. And not only have you not learned in the Christ, but this also what you got to refrain from doing. Ephesians 4 and 30. It's saying, grieve not the what? 
the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Why is the Holy Spirit so important in, in, in this last dispensation of the church age? Because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to seal you. It's going to come a time where that same spirit is going to be removed from this planet. And if it's not sealed inside of your heart, it's not sealed inside of your consciousness, then guess what you're going to be? Whether you receive this word or not, the bottom line is this is a personal message. It's a personal call to obedience, and it's a personal call to understand to check your own heart first, personally, first. And then also always check and watch what, you, what you're under, what you're operating in, who you got over you. Who's leading you? You understand? You don't be a partaker of the blind leading the blind. And that, this, is my, this is my message for today. I hope I didn't bore you, but I hope I gave you enough understanding in the word of truth to let you understand that you're the church. You're who God called to be without spot or wrinkle on his return. You're who he called out of the world. He, you're the one that he's trying to get himself inside of. You're the one that he's trying to get you to the higher self. All right? The way you take on the divine mind and you become as God in your walk, your everyday walk. Christ was our leading examples. But also understand, you got problems and you got stumbling blocks that's been put in your way and assignments that's been put in the past from the devil. And the whole purpose of the devil is to destroy. It's not to build. His whole mission and accomplishment is to destroy a body of Christ. It's to destroy a church. So it render it useless and unproductive. That's what it wants. So my challenge to you as born-again believers, as faith walkers, is are you going to allow Jezebel to win? Are you going to allow that spirit of Jezebel to win? I hope y'all been blessed by this word. And thank you for allowing me to stand today.